Hello and welcome to the Mindful Men Podcast, a show inspiring men to be mindful about their lives. Each week, we'll dive into a range of topics that matter to men and hear from everyday people doing extraordinary things. So if you love the show, please give it a five-star rating and share it with your mates. Now, before we get into this week's episode, please note that some of the content may trigger you. And if this happens, please reach out to your support networks. It's really important. If you can't get enough of Mindful Men, head over to our website. It's www.mindful-men.com.au. Find the show notes and the links to our socials there. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's get mindful. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Men podcast. I'm your host Simon Rooney and today we're getting mindful about sustainability and eco-warriorisms if that's even a word and joining me for today's discussion I've got Mandy Spooner from right here on the Sunshine Coast. How are you going Mandy? I am very well Simon, how are you? I am amazing. We were just talking off there about how nice of a day it is and it's about to be an amazing weekend so I am on cloud nine at the moment and really looking forward to this conversation because I think it's a conversation that I'm often having in my head and, and when I buy things or when I'm throwing stuff out and when I think of you and you and you talk a little bit in your social media stuff about plastic use, I'm always drawn back to a time in my career, my former career as a public servant. And I spent some time on Christmas Island, which is a little island off the top of WA and closer to Indonesia than it is Australia. One of the most beautiful places in the world, but it was just littered absolutely littered with plastic from what I believe is all over Asia and probably all over the world as well. And I guess it's such a small island, there isn't the the services to go up there and clean it all up. And I think that would be more than a full-time job. So that's been implanted in my brain for quite a while. And and even more recently, I, I work with some clients and we do a lot of outdoor therapy and we walk past a lot of housing developments and, and walking past those and the amount of plastic that I see, plastic bottles, even beer bottles and all that type of stuff in housing developments. I'm always wondering why they're just left on the ground and, and what can we do better? And so I'm glad that you're here to help us get better at this type of stuff. But before we get into that, I want to introduce you properly. And so you're a wife and mother of two boys and two dogs, I believe. And you call yourself the crazy recycling lady. Why, why? That's your words, not mine. Why are you the crazy recycling lady? Why did you pick those words to describe yourself? I think that's what I get called. My dad's actually with me at the moment and he says um, very politely that I'm very thorough with my recycling. Very thorough. Yeah. So, so thorough means crazy. I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> so let's start off. I'd like to find out a bit more about who my guests are on the show because I, I like the stories behind who they are. So your accent's not from the Sunshine Coast. So tell us a bit about where you're from, where you grew up, how you came to be on the Sunshine Coast, and and what's it like being a mum to two boys? Thank you again for having me, Simon. I was actually born in Scotland, and my parents bounced back and forward between Scotland and Australia. And I moved back to Scotland actually when I was 21. And then I moved down to England to Brighton on the South Coast when I was 30, then moved to Australia, I think when I was 36. And we were in Sydney for 12 years. And then we moved to the Sunshine Coast about six years ago. And to be honest, the move to the Sunshine Coast was mainly, there was a couple of reasons, but mainly house affordability. Sydney was very and is very expensive. So when I actually first moved to the Sunshine Coast, I called it a head move 
because it was a logical move. But then within two weeks, I was calling it a heart move. And I love it so, so much. feel very blessed to live here on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. It is a beautiful place to, to live. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if a housing affordability is, I'd put that in the same bucket of, as the Sunshine Coast at the moment. It's got that way. It's got that way, hasn't it? It's just things have skyrocketed and we are seeing a lot of population growth here on the coast as well. What's your favourite part of the coast? Like, Where do you love to go and, and what do you love to do on the sunny coast? Do you know what? I We've always lived near the water. I love being near the water. And we've recently moved, I guess you would call it semi-rural. And I love that too. I love the greenery, the mountains, and then we're only like 15 minutes away. And then we, you know, we drive into Coolum and it's the beach and the water. And it's just, I don't know, it's just that this, it's a place where I just go, oh, I feel like it's where my soul is is supposed to be. It's I just love it, and I think as you say, it has got a lot busier, but I I do still feel it's it's got that nice calmness to it as well. I often think of when everyone thinks of Queensland, and there's a lot of listeners from overseas on this show. They think maybe the Gold Coast, and it's very high rise concrete jungle, but the sunny coast is is almost like complete opposite. It's more suburbia, but We've got the magic of the beach, but also the hinterland. And also you can get pretty rural within, as you said, 15, 20, 30 minutes. It's quite a, a unique place of the world as well. It is. But what about two boys? Tell us about mumming two boys. Like I'm, I grew up with three brothers in my household, so I feel very sorry for my mum. Tell us about your family journey and what's it been like, yeah, raising two boys? Do you know what? I actually have two, and I'm going to be very stereotypical here, Simon. I actually have two very gentle boys and I have a great relationship with them. I, I adore them. And I always used to think that work would be my greatest achievement, but I genuinely know that my boys are and always will be my greatest achievement. I've got two, so they're 14 and 15, and my 15-year-old is, is nearly 16. And at the moment, they're not partying and going out and all of that sort of stuff. So I've got that journey ahead of me. And, and we touched on on parenting just, just briefly at, when we had a, our chat. And for me, it's that I've got to that place. Not that I ever thought I wasn't going to get there. Of course I was, but I wasn't thinking about it. But now that place where soon my boys will have their license and they'll have their car and their freedom and and they're already talking about what they want to do and where they want to go. And then it's like, oh, wow, like I'm here where parents get, where the children leave home. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is next for me and my husband? It's great. I'm excited, curious, nervous all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, it's, you're, you're a bit ahead of me. Like we're in the six-year-old, I've got a six-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And so we've got all those years to come and we're always wondering like, when are we getting out of these toddler and tantrum stages? Do you remember like the early days of parenting? And and, and if you could look back at your life, knowing your journey, what would you say to your younger mum version of you, like about what to look forward to? Yeah, and I love what you said there. It's, it's ages and stages, and I don't really think I realized that at the beginning, my boys are 19 months apart. And I did genuinely struggle when I, I first had them. I, I had my first son at 38. So I had them quite late and they were 19 months apart and it was tough. Yeah, I, I found it really tough. And what I would say to my younger self is, is it is ages and stages. It's like, 
get through the first five years. And then I love all the years, but that kind of five to 11 or 12 is, is really beautiful. That's really the years that you can really communicate with them and have conversations with them. And then it's like the preteens and yeah, just it's ages and stages. You will absolutely get through it. I know this is cliche. It goes fast. Like I've got a nearly 16 year old who is talking about getting his L's and then like in a year time, a year's time, he's going to be able to drive. It does go fast. Yeah. Yeah. In the conversations with your husband, like who's taking him driving lessons? Who's going to be doing that? Because I that, that just freaks me out. <laughs> it would probably be me. I'm the calmer one. My husband's anxious, more anxious than me. And so it would probably be me and, and definitely a driving instructor but probably me, but I would still be a little bit nervous as well, but I, I, I'm pretty good at not showing that. Yeah. Well, uh, something to look forward to. Definitely. <laughs> of us. But your passion is eco-warrior. You are an eco-warrior. So where does this passion come from? Like, is this something that you've always had or is it something that you fell into at a certain part of your time? And, and why is this important for you as well? Yeah, great, great question. And it's actually a bit of both. I fell into it six years ago when I read an article by Sarah Wilson from I, I Quit Sugar. And she said that takeaway coffee cups weren't recyclable. And I remember reading the article and, and saying out loud, that's not true. They are recyclable. Of course they're not. And I, I went down, you know, what I call the big black hole of single-use plastic on the internet and was astounded by the statistics, what we're using, what's not getting recycled, what can't be recycled, and just that convenience that we're in where it's easier to use a plastic knife and fork and throw it away. And a lot of us not realising that it's not going to get recycled or it can't get recycled because of the type of plastic that it is. But then at, on my journey, so that was six years ago, and I always say that well, I actually started posting on social media my changes. So I started making changes in the household and I started posting on social media and was getting a lot of response and people saying, oh, I didn't know that. And then people were making changes and tagging me and posting and, and sending to me. And that was making me really happy. So I always say that I started posting six years ago and just haven't stopped posting and have just been learning myself along the way. But during that six years early on, I realized that I've always been like this. So it kind of made sense. I was like, ah, that's why I'm minimalistic. That's why I reuse everything. That's why as a young, young girl, litter bugs drove me crazy. I'm talking you know, eight, nine years old. I just couldn't wrap my head around why people would litter and just leave things and showing my age here, but like rolling down the window in the car and throwing things out the car. I just, I couldn't comprehend it. So I've always been like that. And then had that moment, as I said, six years ago, where I learned about the coffee cups and, and I'm the type of person that I can't unknow stuff and not do anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested in the coffee cup stuff because I was looking at your posts on, on socials and there's one that you did recently around takeaway coffee cups and it's around Australians throw away 2.7 million coffee cups a day. That's like just 
crazy amount. I often in the shops now, you see these coffee cup bins where you can say you put your, your lid in one part and, and the base in the other part. So talk us through that. Like, because I always thought it's, it's cardboard, you know, there's a bit of plastic, the plastic can get recycled, the cardboard can get recycled, but that's not the case. Can you talk us through about it? Help us understand that a bit more. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, great question. And I love that you've bought the, the company is, is Simply Cups. So they the cafe would need to pay and bring that the the simply cup unit in and people can put their their coffee cups in there so they can't be recycled because they do have a plastic lining inside of them and generally and we can we can talk about this as well but in our curbside recycling the council only takes a certain amount of things because they don't have the infrastructure to recycle other stuff so they just take the things that they can do and everything else to be honest is specialty recycling if we want to recycle shoes, we need to find a place that can recycle the shoes. So it's on us to do that. And it's like with the coffee cups as well. And, and there are some coffee cup companies who are now making coffee cups that you can compost and recycle. But I would say from what I can see, the majority of coffee cups that people are using still can't be recycled. Yeah, wow. It's phenomenal because we have got a big coffee culture here in Australia. Can you just imagine if you were to project that across the world, what that would actually look like and so forth? Well, it's, it's 2.7 million a day, as you say, which equates to like a billion a year just in Australia in our landfills. Yeah, just in Australia. And we've got a population of, what, 25, 26 million or so yeah. last time I counted. So if you project that, say, the US... Hundreds of millions of people. Like this, just it's the numbers just are mind boggling. I want to talk about the curbside recycling too. But when you read this this article and you started to, I guess maybe connect the dots and and make changes. Like, what was the impact on your family? What changes did you make in the household, or were you already doing that? What did your husband say? What did the kids say? Talk us through that kind of moment too. And I'm actually laughing, Simon, because I wouldn't recommend anyone do it the way I did it. I, being an all or nothing personality, <laughs> I was like, right, we're changing everything. And that wasn't the right way to do it. Because there were some things that people don't want to change. My husband actually loves laundry. And he didn't want to change the laundry liquid that we used at that time. So I should have had a conversation with him, but I didn't. I just went in all or nothing and, and changed everything. And I'll just say this while it's in my head. There are so many amazing companies out there now that make it easy for us to make the change. So I call them like one-stop shops where you can go and order and buy so much stuff. So that's what I did. I guess for us, it's it's more changing our habits and our mindset. It's like, but I've always used that. So it's for us, it, it's more of a, a mindset habit change. But there are companies out there that do make it easy for you to order like everything or four and five things and make the changes. So as I said, I went all or nothing, which wasn't the right thing to do. I, I would actually recommend that you sit your family down and have a discussion and share statistics, share why you're doing it, why you feel strongly about it and how that will help the family and how it will help the environment. So that's a, a nicer way to do it. And just check in with everyone and ask, what are some things that you feel you do want to change? Or what are some things that you are just like, absolutely no way I'm not changing that? Because I always say progress over perfection. And I always like to say that I am far from perfect, but I've made a lot of progress. Like the six years, I've, I'm always 
learning new things and and changing things. And if I hadn't done that, the six years are going to pass anyway. So you might as well make some changes, but always like no judgment on the family. I'm having a little underarm deodorant debate with my boys at the moment and we just need to work through that and there are some things that that they've changed which is amazing but they still love their like you know bottle of Fanta every now and then and my husband likes his chocolate milk in plastic bottles and so it's just balancing all of that out having conversations and and not judging and, and just doing it together which is a nice a nice thing to do they're so used to me now and they know that I'm very active about it so that they're, they're very respectful and I'm very respectful of them as well there has been a time where yeah you know, I was like oh you're drinking that oh you've got that oh watching where they what they put stuff in the bin so so I've had to back off and let them learn and grow and change in their way and when they're ready. I, I guess I'm, for me, it's about being the change and being the person in the family and the monkey see, monkey do. And and eventually they follow without me nagging them all the time. In those early days, what was the big change? Was it like the pantry? You mentioned the laundry as well. Like, where did you start? Or was it just like it was the whole household ended up in a bin? Like, how did that work? Talk us through like the dynamics there. Well, it was a lot of cleaning products that I initially changed. So I went through the laundry and went through uh, the kitchen cleaning products and the bathroom as well. So razors, toothpaste shampoo conditioner uh yeah i i did go a little bit crazy <laughs> this is i guess maybe this is where the crazy recycling lady yeah. comes from <laughs> wow and and so like how long did it take your husband and the kids to come on board with this was it a gradual thing you mentioned there's still things that they do today but like how long did it take for them to come around after you started doing this probably not too long because they, they knew how important it was to me. And I guess I was making all the changes. So, so it kind of made it easier for them as well. But now I do have a discussion with them. So as I said, we're having deodorant discussions. And to be honest, most of that is about toxic ingredients that are in the deodorants. And with that, I we've gone through a couple of the ingredients and we've had a look in in an app and just looked at the potential side effects of the ingredients. And, and they're just still, you know, mulling that over in their heads. They're teenagers. And I guess they see other kids using like spray deodorants and and stuff like that. So yeah, I think with some things it takes a little bit longer, but they, they came around fairly quickly. Yeah, I can imagine like that just with the deodorant discussion. And I remember being in school and there's a lot of spray deodorants, like this is a while back now, and trying to find the right fits and trying to find more natural products. So it sounds like you're going the more natural kind of route. Like, And also maybe do you look into how products are made as well in terms of their sustainability on the planet as well? Do you go that far? I do. Yeah, I do. And and I actually have a few companies will, will contact me and ask if I want to, for it to be gifted their product and for me to try it and talk about it. And I actually have said no to a few companies because I'll always ask them. One of the big things I always ask is how do you dispose of it? So, okay, and that's how you dispose of it. What is it made of? And when I buy things, again, progress, not perfect. I really try and think about like how do I dispose of this? before I buy it. It's interesting you say that because, and we're talking about our kids and different ages, and my wife's just done a clear out of the kids' toy room, and it was bags of plastic stuff that lasted maybe a week 
you know, it's not like toys from when I was younger that would last you a whole year or something like these things. Literally, they're they're broken before you you finish the day out. And I remember seeing those bags and just thinking, wow, what a waste! Like all this plastic. And even my wife got a delivery yesterday for a a product in a very small box. The box would fit in your hand, but then there was another box around that to deliver the small box, and that was. 90% air, there was nothing in it. And we were like, why did they send us two boxes instead of one? And so as a young family, we're, we're looking at this now going, why are we wasting so much stuff? Or why aren't things lasting as long as well? And looking at your household, where as this was going on, did you just look at that and just scratch your head and going, where have we gone wrong? Yeah. And similar to you, when the boys were younger, their room is full of plastic toys. It's insane. I have to say, as they get older, that does change. It's a very different looking room to what it was. We consume as a nation. Our consumption levels are insane, like absolutely insane. And this is one of the problems. And our recycling just can't keep up with it because we just consume, consume, consume. And before I forget, actually, Simon, there's Big W. I don't know if you know, Big W have a toy recycling program. So you can just find your like local Big W and they've got a a big toy recycling program box at their store. And you can take, jump online and just double check exactly what they take because there's a couple of things that they don't. But you can have a look there to have the, the toys recycled or, of course, gifted. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's so cool to know. And I noticed on one of your other posts, you're talking about clothes disposal as well. I think, was it H&M have the these boxes that you can come and donate? Yeah. You know, you're growing up, we all drove past like the Vinnie's shops or the Salvation Army and they'd have the big bins out the front where you could go there and donate your old clothes or other little things as well. I'm seeing fewer and fewer of those around, particularly around the coast. And when you do see them, there's just piles and piles of stuff that are often left there, which they say, well, we can't do anything with this. We've got to take it to the tip as well. It's like, how much are we actually throwing away? And, and I guess on the clothing one particular, like how much clothes are going to landfill? You, there's a post that you had there is around 200,000 tonnes of clothes in landfill. And what can we do differently there? And that's just in Australia alone. Yeah. And same when you're talking about the bins, I actually drive like the clothing bins. I drive past one every day and they actually do have a sign on it that says, please don't leave anything outside the bin. Always, always outside the bin is just chock-a-block with stuff. It's insane. And I'm loving that I guess fast fashion and clothes, the recycling of it and and how much we're buying and throwing away is is now coming to light, which is really, really good. As I said on my post today, like 200,000 tonnes of clothing end up in landfill. And so you can imagine the stuff that actually is getting regifted or reused or taken to places like H&M. Tips, I would say, buy less for sure. And that's another conversation isn't it consumerism and and the reason why we buy things and all of that sort of stuff but definitely buy less a lot of people I'm loving are doing clothes swap parties now I went to one this year actually or maybe last year and that's great then you, you can swap between friends which is really lovely yes take to charity shops but I I just think they're overloaded and I know it's easy for us to take it to a charity shop and leave it and think that it's away and it's it's all good and everything's great, but it's just giving the problem to someone else. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we're seeing fewer and fewer of those shops as well because volunteering numbers are going down as well from more of a societal. Traditionally, the older cohorts who are running those volunteer shops, but now, you know, as they're aging, there's not as many young people coming through and, and doing that kind of work as well. And in the circles that I'm in particularly, I note that. There's another one, we plastic bags. We've had this big move away from plastic bags as well. And I saw a great TikTok the other day and, and it, it reminded me of me as well, is we've moved away from the, the single-use plastic bags that we get from the shops. But what's happening is we forget to take our ones that we buy with us to the shops. So we're buying more of these more long longevity bags as well. How do we get past this? I, I know I should just put the bags in my car, but there's so many of us that fall into this trap. And, and are the things that we're buying from the shop still any better than what we used to have? Yeah, it is habit. It definitely is. And it's like anything, once you you do it, it does definitely become habit. I, I always, I say always, 99% of the time I have my reusable bags in the car. If I don't, for whatever reason, I don't buy another reusable bag because to be honest, like I say to the people at the supermarket, I could actually start a shop <laughs> and sell reusable bags. So I'm not buying another one. So I just put like everything in the trolley or I know they've got the paper bags now as well. But I, I would say it's it's just habit, just really, even if you have to put a sticky note on the door or a sticky note in the car. So when you get in the car, like, have you got your bags? A sticky note on the door before you leave. Have you got your bags? And it does, like anything, it just becomes habit. And then that's just what you do. Like my bag, it probably got more reusable items in it than anything else. I've got my coconut bowl and my cutlery and my coffee cup and, and everything. Yeah, I love it. And I love how you brought up habits because I'd love to know some tips that you've got for families and for everyone, anyone who's not... You know, maybe you don't, you maybe you're a single household, you know, single person household. What's some daily things that they could do as a habit to try and switch this around and, and maybe care more for our environment, recycle less as well? And I guess maybe starting with the curbside pickup as well. Like, how should we be looking at what we're putting in our recycling bin? That's a great question. I, I did for myself recently. And I, it's quite funny. I did offer it out to some other people and they're like, yeah, no, thanks, Mandy. That's all right. Like to do a, and it does take effort to do a recycling bin audit. So the day before my recycling bin was due to go out, I got a big sheet and I put it on my driveway and I emptied my recycling bin out there because I do this as well, but we often will say, oh, I don't actually have a lot of this or I don't have a lot of that. And then when you put it out in front of you, it's like, oh, I actually do. So visually, it's really good to see that. So that's something that you could start to do. And just one of my things that I always say, learned my lesson, is change one thing at a time. So pick one thing. Yeah. And you may intuitively know what that is. If you're shaving with a plastic razor and it's like, oh, I need to change this. I need to change this. Then change that. Yeah. Just pick that one thing. Take 10 minutes to do a little bit of research about it. Even if you want to post on social media or contact me, I'm more than happy to help. Everyone on social media loves to help. You just type in, want to change my plastic razor? Does anyone know what I can do? And guaranteed you'll get, people love to help they'll give you places to do that. But literally pick one thing, change it, feel like a legend, and then pick something else. And you can just, and you can intuitively know what you want to do, or just go through room by room, start in your bathroom, get all of your products, 
put them on on the counter and it's like, yep, I'm going to change you. And even if it's the easiest one, if it's a toothbrush, start with a toothbrush. You can buy a bamboo toothbrush from the local supermarket. Really easy one to start with. Use it, love it, feel like a legend, and then move on to the next thing. I love the cash for can stuff. So I grew up in South Australia, which was, I think at the time, was the only state that had the cash for cans processing, which was used to be five cents a can. And we used to go take our car load full of big bags that we'd put all the cans and bottles in and, and we'd get cash for it. And I don't know why, but Australia was very much as, as outside of South Australia for a very long time, very against this process. But now we see more and more states and Queensland has now come on board. And I love taking my cash. I feel like a champion when I take my cans and bottles to get you know recycled that way. But when I hear people in my neighborhood and I hear them putting their recycling, all I hear is cans and bottles going into those things. I'm like, why don't you take them and get your money? Like, why why is this such a thing? And but it is a it's a bit of a mindset thing. I did talk to one guy about it. It's like, well, it's just too much effort to do that. I just put them in there. Like I don't need and for me, like it's 20, 30, 40 bucks. And in a time when finances are so tight as well, and, and there's a lot of pressure on household budgets, just to do something simple as that and take them to a recycling center. I feel great about that and I wish more would do that. Like if you were to think of, of your your pantry as well, like we talk a bit about cleaning products, but the pantry and everything comes in a, in a cardboard box with plastic inside of it. Where's some tips that we can learn from you and, and, and what you do in, in our pantries and how to improve that, that area of our house? Yeah, great question. And I'll just go back, Simon, too, when you were talking. So containers for change, which is what you were talking about, which is great, as you say, and I love that you go there and you feel great doing it. They actually also do a home pickup service, which is great. So I'm going to be talking about that soon. Actually, I'm going to be doing a little bit of work with Containers for Change and just letting everyone know that they do a home pickup service because it is extra effort to go in our busy lives. So I do get why people don't do it. But as you say, like, I think it's habit. And once you start doing it, you feel amazing, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And and I sometimes I take the kids there and then so they start to do it as well. And I hope that they continue as well. Because as we're talking, I think we're talking off air about this, like, or even at the start of this show, we're going to past housing development sites. And that's what you see. You bottles of Powerade and, and beer bottles as well. Like after the tradies have had their week, they've had a few beers up before they go home. And it's just like, there's just so much money there that could be used and it's just gone to waste. I remember like our house is only less than a decade old. It was built brand new before we moved in. And every time I do gardening I and I dig a hole, I'm pulling up a whole bunch of waste that was underneath and like it's plastic, it's building materials, it's all sorts. So it's not like nice clean dirt under the thing. And I think when we're building houses and the sunny coast is having a big building boom at the moment, there's just so much plastic and waste underneath everything as well. It's it's mind boggling. It is mind boggling. It really, really is. And talking about pantry, I genuinely go to the supermarket and and I do get like plastic anxiety. Sometimes I can't look at the packaging, but some tips for pantry would be when you go to the supermarket, I always say, think glass over a plastic. And this is generally a, a brand change as well. So instead of getting tomato sauce in a plastic bottle, look for the brand that does it in a glass bottle. And that can go for mayonnaise, peanut butter. I think jams are probably mostly in glass, but any sauce, barbecue sauce, anything chili sauce that that is in plastic, just look for a glass alternative. With glass, it can be recycled infinitely. And the reason 
everyone goes on about plastic is generally it can only be recycled one to three times because the quality decreases. So I know it's easy to say, oh, I'll just grab that, but I can recycle it. It may not get recycled. And as you touched on ocean pollution, I dread to think the amount of plastic bottles that are in the ocean. So they're not all making it to the recycling plant. And if they do, they may not even get recycled. It's complicated. Like there's, it's a very gray area, the whole area. But in the pantry, I would suggest, yeah, just looking for things that aren't plastic. So look for things that are in cardboard or are in glass. And I guess food, I mean, that that's a whole nother story like like the fast fashion as well. Food waste is absolutely massive and, and just storing your food well so it lasts a little bit longer instead of throwing out so much food. Yeah. Do you like have compost at home? Like do you get into the garden, have a veggie patch and all that type of stuff to try and cut back on some of the stuff that you buy from the shops? Yeah, I do. It's not my strength. I do have a compost and it's a worm compost. So I bought it from a company so it's easy for me they're not really my strength and I do have a veggie pod again it's from a company who make it easy for you so I've been growing my own lettuce which is amazing and trying to do carrots and onions they're a little bit slow again not my strength but I'm I'm, I'm trying hard the compost I have to say like is mind-blowing these little worms just eat all the food I have to say my landfill bin because I'm composting probably I could only give it to council maybe once every five weeks oh wow so that's huge reduction as well yeah it's huge it's massive and again until you collect your food waste and you visually see it we have it in a big container and then I take it when the container is starting to get full I take it down to the compost so I don't go there every day and it's again it's that visual of wow I'm really throwing away a lot of stuff here yeah wow it's that's huge to only put your bin out every every five or so weeks that's a lot often I'm at the the curbside putting my bin out and I'm seeing bins on the street overflowing almost every week of just stuff and just like mine gets full sometimes but there's other times where mine's only half full as well and sometimes I, I don't even bother putting the bin out because I'm like well the truck doesn't need to stop really for half a bin I could just leave it for another it does get a bit stinky but I could just leave it for another week and it will be okay as well so well wow, that's huge like Every five weeks, just from food waste as well. I often think about what I'm putting in the bin. I'm the bin guy at home, so I've got lots of, lots of questions about my bin. Like what's a, something that we commonly put in the bin? We talked a bit about coffee cups before, but what's something else that we commonly put in, the, in our recycling, for example, that can't really be recycled? And one that comes to mind is birthday or Christmas wrapping paper. Is that recyclable? It is. It just depends if it's got like any glittery bits or plasticky bits or or anything and I like bless my children and some people say you're so mean Mandy uh, Christmas does stress me out from the consumption level and expectations and money spent and all of that sort of stuff I'm not a Grinch but I'm not massive or, on Christmas so my boys bless them get their presents in like a reusable bag and they're used to it you know they can just pull everything out and they love it and they're used to it so I don't use wrapping paper I don't like using things that I'm literally going to literally unwrap and then put in the bin and yes 
majority of it can be recycled, but it's still extra work. It's still extra recycling. It's like we don't even need that in the first place. What about in the food space? Like if we are using something that's come in a plastic thing, is there anything that can't be recycled or is it all recyclable? Do we need to wash it as well? Like what's your thoughts there? Generally, I'll let you know what our council takes. And I can actually give you a link and you can go on Everyone can go on and have a look at their council in Australia and what the council takes and doesn't take. So it's a great little snapshot. And then I'll, I'll speak about cleaning the, the recycling as well. So generally, and again, just double check with your council, but most councils take glass bottles and jars, plastic bottles and containers, so like yogurt cups you know like yogurt pots steel cans and aerosols aluminium cans and aluminium foil and with the foil I've done a a few videos on this but if you can roll like roll it up to a tennis ball size or bigger otherwise it falls through the the gaps at the recycling plant and then it takes cardboard and paper so basically you know glass plastic steel cans aluminium cardboard and paper And then not all councils, our our council does, but not all councils take the long life milk cartons. So the Tetra Pak long life milk cartons, our council does. So just double check if your council does anything outside of that, like, you know, shoes, clothes, toys, anything outside of that, coat hangers, cutlery, plates, can't go in the curbside recycling. So we need to look for and there are so many places now that will recycle shoes and toys bedding all of that sort of stuff so that's what I would call specialty recycling but our council only takes that and in terms of cleaning doesn't have to be dishwasher clean but yes clean it out would be nice just put some water in the bottle shake it up empty the water out and put the the bottle in the bin because there are humans at the recycling plant and I'm sure we wouldn't like a week old milk or yogurt and (laughs) all of that sort of stuff as well. So it doesn't have to be dishwasher clean, but clean would be nice. I didn't know about the long life milk stuff. So our daughter, for example, she's grown up on oat milk because she's got so many allergies. And so we've had to find an alternative milk that suits her. And and my wife has been on the soy milk for a while. And these all come in those, yeah, cardboard container. We didn't, didn't know that. And so I love that link and we'll put it in the show notes so that people can go, okay, what is my council accepting? Because you can't just rely on the images that are on top of the bin lids, which is what I have traditionally relied on and go, okay, well, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, in it goes. But that's really eye-opening, I guess, because so many more people these days are also going for alternative milks, for example, not just the cow's milk as well. So that's really good to know. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I noticed on your your website, you talked a bit about having a, a, a bin audit, but Talk us through some of the, you've got some in-home consultations. I'd love to hear a, a bit of a plug about that and what you can do to help families or people that are, are more becoming eco-conscious to, yeah, tackle some of this recycling uh, struggle that, that we have. Yeah, brilliant. So I have in-home consultations where I can come into your home. And if you don't want me to come into your home, I can do it on video as well. We pick one room that that you pick. So do one room at a time and I can come in for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And the reason I do one room and that short space of time is to not overwhelm because it it can get overwhelming. 
So I can come in, you pick a room. If you were to pick your bathroom before I got there, I would say, can you just pull out all of your products and we'll just put them on the bench and then I'll just talk you through them. What do you want to change? What don't you want to change? I will give you ideas. And when I go away, I send you a PDF with everything that was spoke about. Here's the changes you want to make. Here's a place to shop. I may have discount codes for that place. Here's some discount codes. And then, of course, I'll follow you up and, and help you make the change. Oh, wonderful. That sounds like a, a great yeah, consultation that you can provide. And what's next for, for your work as well? Have you got something on the horizon that you're working on or working towards? I've just released an ebook, which is super exciting. And it goes through room by room. And in the ebook is a, a tick sheet at the end of each room and, and designed to print out. And you can put it wherever you want and just tick as you do the one thing at a time. And, and just looking at that, ticking it, hopefully will make you feel like you're making progress. Yeah, so I've just released the ebook, so that's exciting. Awesome, wonderful. And I will put the links to, to your website in, in, and your socials as well. So we have talked about socials. If people want to see more of what you're doing, where can they best find you? Where's the best place to look? I spend a lot of time on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y underscore Spooner, S-P-O-O-N-E-R. Wonderful. And we'll, yeah, we'll put that in, in the show notes as well, make it easy for people to access. But before I let you go, Mandy, I have really enjoyed this conversation, but I like to all my guests at the end to plug something that makes them feel good. So it doesn't have to be anything we've talked about, like recycling or anything like that. It could be something you're watching, listening to, a self-care activity, or it could be something in the eco space as well. What's something that's making you feel good at the moment? Well, I love that question. That's really beautiful. Do you know what? Lots of things make me feel good, but I actually said this the other day. Do you know what I really love and makes me feel good is when humans come together in someone's hour of need, whether it be something big like fires or floods. I love when community comes together or if like recently my son fell off his bike, ended up with nine stitches in his knee and all of his friends just really like came together for him. And, and I love that because I guess we tend to not be selfish at all, but we're very single-minded about, about us. And that's great. You know, we need to to do that as well. But I, I, do, I do love seeing that when community comes together, it really restores my faith in humanity. I love that. That's so cool. It's such a cool thing to reflect on. And, and the importance of community is so important for our health and well-being and, and our sense of loneliness. So I've been talking to a lot of guys recently around loneliness. There's a bit of data out there that the ABC has been recently reporting on about male loneliness. And, and so community and connection is really important. And particularly, I think we've seen that a lot in Australian culture as well in our communities from bushfires to floods to COVID as well and all sorts of things. So I love that plug. Well done. That's great. That's one of my favorites. But Mandy, I've really enjoyed our chat today. I have been following you on, on the socials for a little while and I love seeing what you're doing as well. So keep up the great work and and thanks for getting mindful about eco-warrior-isms. I'm going to say that word again um, <laughs> with me today. Thanks so much. Awesome. No, thank you so much again for having me thanks for all you do as well. I would love to ask you a million questions about you. So thank you for all you do. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode and I hope you got some value from it. If anything triggered your mental health today, please reach out to your support networks. Also, if you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your mates. 
For more from Mindful Men, you can check us out on Instagram and YouTube and I'll throw the links to these pages in the show notes below. But until next time, stay mindful.